This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 48 degrees at 9.04. Currently, we have clear conditions. Humidity is at 93%, but it feels very comfortable with a dew point only at 46. Sunny today and a high in the mid-70s. Numerous media outlets are reporting the death of a Sarah man in an industrial accident in Bradford County. According to the reports, 39-year-old Jeremy Lanzo was fatally injured in an explosion at Eureka Resources on Route 6 in Wysox Township. That's in Bradford County. It happened on Tuesday, September 13th. The Lehigh County Coroner's Office, according to the accounts, says Lanzo died as a result of chemical and thermal burns. The Sarah had been transferred to the Lehigh Valley Hospital in Allentown, where he died and where the autopsy was conducted. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, is investigating. According to the Eureka Resources website, the company removes impurities from recovered industrial water and isolates recyclable chemicals, then purifies the recovered minerals and cleansed water so it can be returned to its natural purpose. The company is headquartered in Williamsport, Pennsylvania and was founded in 2008. A United States Department of Labor inspection detail report found online had listed a total of four violations, three classified as serious, at the Wysox plant in a case that had closed in 2016. The inspection document does not specify the nature of the violations. Company officials were unavailable for comment. The first budget proposed by Binghamton's new mayor is $2 million leaner than the $99.1 million last budget proposed by his predecessor and carries a bare minimum reduction in property taxes of 0.01%. Republican Jared Cram's $97 million ledger calls for adding three new police positions and fully staffs the fire department with the addition of 12 recent fire academy graduates. The proposal also increases the price of the city's blue garbage bags by 25 cents. In other highlights, the mayor said there would be no increase in water and sewer rates. Several customers of the Binghamton-Johnson City Joint Sewage Treatment Plant, owned by the city of Binghamton and a village of Johnson City, have seen large increases in their water and sewer bills in the past year. As for finding a way to pay for investments in infrastructure, public safety, general expenses, including salaries, insurance, and benefits, and upgrades to facilities like city parks and public spaces, Cram says he looked to the current revenue sources, like sales taxes, state aid, and property taxes, instead of placing any bets on money coming in from the future legal sale of recreational marijuana. Cram says while he expects Binghamton's first adult-use cannabis shops to open next year, he put no revenue from the sales of weed into the budget. Cram says, quote, we have no way of estimating the estimated expected revenues from the local excise tax on cannabis, which will give municipalities three cents for every dollar of cannabis sold. Binghamton City Council will be reviewing the spending plan, scheduling public hearings, and proposing any of their own revisions before voting on a final plan in the upcoming weeks. 
WMBF Newstime 907. A New Jersey company is planning to construct a solar array at the Greater Binghamton Airport in the town of Maine. Above Grid is seeking permission to build the facility off Commercial Drive on about 30 acres at the south end of the airport property. Broome County Commissioner of Aviation Mark Hevener says the solar farm could be situated just below runway grade where there is now a mix of trees and shrubs. Above Grid co-owner or co-founder Joseph Tesson says the company is planning to build approximately 6.3 megawatt solar array. The county legislature is expected to vote on a proposed 25-year lease for the solar project next week. The company would pay $30,000 a year for the use of the site with an option to renew the lease for four additional five-year periods. The company is expected to present details of the project to the Town of Maine Planning Board next month. Tassone says Above Grid's goal is to begin work on the solar array early next spring. Medical professionals, whether they treat people or animals, can get a discount Sunday on admission to Ross Park Zoo's Elimination for Conservation lighted lantern display. Speaking on tomorrow's public affairs program, Southern Tier Close-Up at 6.03 a.m., the zoo director, Phil Ginter, says as the days for the festival come to an end with the last day, October 16th, the hours are earlier. The gates open at 7. The one-time only display of giant fabric-clad armature sculptures is is the major fundraiser for Ross Park Zoo this year, as well as benefiting several wildlife conservation partners. The program will be open once again until the 16th. Now, the Ross Park Zoo is going to be open year-round, although it will only be on weekends through the winter. The zoo will be closed for a few days following the conclusion of the Lantern Festival. And then there will be a fast turnaround for the second annual Hollow Weekend at the zoo and neighboring Discovery Center. That's October 29th and 30th. Information on tickets and hours for Illumination for Conservation, Hollow Weekend, and Ross Park Zoo can be found at rossparkzoo.org. And of course, you can hear all about Southern Tier close up about the zoo tomorrow at 6:03 a.m. on News Radio 1290 WMBF WMBF.com and 92.1 FM WMBF News Time 910 The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast sunny today a high in the mid 70s Partly cloudy tonight, patchy fog toward daybreak, a low in the low 50s. Sunny tomorrow, a high in the low 80s. Sunny on Sunday, a slight chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, a high in the mid-80s. Monday, 80% chance of showers and maybe an afternoon thunderstorm high in the upper 70s. Mostly sunny on Tuesday with a high in the mid to upper 70s. Currently, it's 48 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9 where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. Hey there, this is how it begins. Friday morning, September 16th, 2022, with your facilitator, Bob Joseph. Let's do this live at 607-772-1290. If you need facilitation, we will give it to you. It's going to be a fabulous program, fabulous. One of our best programs of the week, according to Casey Kasem's office. Yes, Casey Kasem may no longer be with us, but he has people who even now are standing by to count them down. So maybe we'll have the top 
10 programs of the week right before noon. We have time for that. Coming up on the program, of course, your calls. I pledge to try to read at least one viewer email today. So if you want to send an email, send it to bob at wnbf.com. And if it meets my criteria, I will read it on the air. Tell your friends, family. My email was read on the program today by the facilitator. Next hour, we talk history with Jerry Smith. So if you like the Binghamton area, what's going on now and what's coming up, and maybe we can learn some things from the past with historian Jerry Smith. Right now, though, let's talk about the important issue of transportation with Jason Denton from Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vestal. Good morning, sir. How you doing, Bob? Doing well. How are things in the area of transportation? Oh, looking good. You know, we've uh, we've got a few cars in stock, which has been, you know, a tough thing to do in the car business is actually have vehicles on the lot. Uh, but we do have a few. we got a few Sonatas. we got a Santa Fe Hybrid, which I can't believe actually is here and not sold yet. Um, we've had a couple of launchers. They've been uh, kind of getting bought up pretty quick. But um, a lot of cars coming. We have a lot of cars inbound. That uh, we got a truck load out front right now, actually, that they're getting dropped off. I'm not sure what's on it, but... It's been kind of nice. We've actually had some vehicles here to be test-driven and looked at. And and the other thing we've been doing is we've been trying to buy a lot of certified Hyundais so that, you know, if you come down here and you want to look at a Palisade or see one, it's very hard for us to get them. They're low production. We usually pre-sell them before they get here. But we've got a couple that we've picked up that we put on the used car lot over there so that we can show them to you. You can take a look at them, and then hopefully we can put it in order for you. Or there may be one available that's not already sold. So we've been doing a lot of that with Santa Fe's, Tucson's, Palisades, trying to keep something here for you to take a look at so that it's not a waste of trip. Uh, come on down, look around. If we don't have it in stock, we probably have it coming, and we probably have it next door at the used car lot so that we can show it to you. You can drive it. Make sure it's definitely something that you want, something we've been trying to do instead of having customers just have to come in and say, well, I guess I'll take a Tucson even though I haven't seen one or driven one. Well, here you go. We've got them next door. We've got Palisades next door, and uh, we're just trying to do the best we can for everybody and uh, and make it as easy as possible. So you and the team will be uh, doing business today till 6? We are. We're here today till 6. We're also open on Saturdays until 4 o'clock. Well, sounds good. Looks like the next uh, couple of days are going to be really nice, pleasant for uh, people to do some vehicle shopping at Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vestal, directly across from Binghamton University. Jason Denton, I hope you and your colleagues have a uh, great couple of days, and also I hope you have a chance to relax a bit this weekend. Yeah, well, you know what? It uh, should be a great weekend. Uh, we're, it's it's nice having this nice warm weather late in this or into September, I should say. It's middle of September, and uh, makes it a little easier to get out there and walk around the lots. It's a nice, comfortable day, and uh, we'll be here for you. Well, enjoy, and I'll look forward to speaking with you again very soon. All right, thanks a lot, Bob. Thanks. That's Jason Denton, Hyundai sales manager at Miller Motors at forty-four fifty-five Vestal Parkway East in Vestal. And Jason and the Miller Auto Team are there to serve you today and always. 
Well, good morning. It is the final Friday of summer. Think about that. Put that in your radio and listen to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm not kidding. It's actually a, a very nice morning. It's going to be a nice day across the Twin Tiers today. I, uh, hmm. Interesting. Well, it's interesting because I was just checking something. I apparently attempted to tweet a photo, a beautiful photo, if I don't say so myself. But, hmm, apparently it did not, uh, it did not go through. But having said that, I will, I, I took a nice photo on my way in of this beautiful Friday morning, and I thought, I thought that it uh, actually loaded to Twitter, but I will attempt that again because it's very beautiful. This is going to be a great Friday in so many ways. I can't tell you at this point exactly why. Maybe because some things are embargoed, if you know what I mean. Bob, what does embargo mean? It means they tell us about something but we can't tell you. I can't even tell you if they've embargoed something. That's how, that's how it works. Anyway, um, I do have a story I'm working on. What I always try to do is advance ongoing stories. And sometimes people say, well, what we hear in the news sometimes, we hear reporting about something and then... Sometimes weeks or months or years go by and nothing is ever followed up on. Well, that's one thing that I try to deal with. I always try to the greatest extent possible to follow up on some ongoing local stories. And I have a sense. I can't tell you why. Because of the sensitivity of the matter, I have this feeling right now at 919 on a Friday morning that there's a story that we've been covering for a while that we may actually be able to advance I didn't say it's going to be we interrupt this program for this bulletin it's not that big but at least the story is going to be advanced I think I can't tell you precisely why and I certainly at this point am not able or willing to reveal what story it is but I will say by the end of the day today, by the end of business today, I think there's going to be a really interesting story on WNBF.com. Actually, to be honest with you, the way things are shaping up now, I think there will be at least two interesting stories that I'm able to post on WNBF.com by the end of business today. So I would suggest that you check the website just to see what we're up to. Just to be on the safe side, just so you don't miss anything. Bob Joseph with you. Your broadcast facilitator. We have a microphone and a telephone. Uh, had the guy, no, not the guy from the phone company. I had a guy looking at our phone line. Actually, I know we, we were talking about that yesterday. Let's check this one phone line out. Mm hmm. No, I didn't call. Huh. Okay, it may be fixed. So remember, on the broadcast 
about 24 hours ago when the Broome County Executive, Jason Gardner, called in. And for some reason, the line did not seem to be of sufficient broadcast quality. So I asked Mr. Gardner to call back, and then we used another line, and it sounded fine. But now, based on this live experiment, and remember, if you get your own talk show, never do this, because who wants to hear this? But well, let's, just for test purposes, I'm dialing 119. Okay. I don't know what 119 gets you, but <laughs> I don't want to call the other one. Anyway, sounds like they fixed it, whatever they did. 921, this is Bob Joseph having fun on a Friday at News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. at News Radio, WNBF. All right, I retweeted. If you've ever done that, you know how painful that can be. But I did retweet the fine photo of uh, Morning in America, a beautiful uh, seasonal shot of the Parlor City. So if you actually follow that Twitter feed at Binghamton Now, you'll be able to see the stunning image on this final Friday of summer here in Binghamton. In fact, let's celebrate a nice weather forecast with the final weekend of summer coming right up. Looks fairly good, in my opinion. From the National Weather Service, sunny today, 75. Partly cloudy tonight with more patchy fog around daybreak. 52, sunny tomorrow, 81. And sunny Sunday with a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. 84 right now in downtown Binghamton. It is a little foggy. Remember that station? I think it was a country station down in Scranton. Foggy 92 or Foggy 97. Never understood that. Why would you call your, I mean, a country station, Foggy foggy but they had bumper stickers and everything i mean it was it's clever i guess see a lot of the stations they use things like well easy to remember words like our country station is the hawk or our classic rock station is the whale and of course foggy 96 Never understood it, but apparently it worked. Apparently it did. Here at Winbiff 1290 and 92.1, that's the thing. Everybody says, but what does WNBF stand for other than news breaks first? Well, good point. Winbiff. That's a very good question. I don't know. We've been working. <laughs> We've been working to figure that one out. Um over the last century, trying to figure out what, what they were thinking when they came up with the WNBF call letters. Let's take a look at some news around the area. Uh, first, 
Some people say that they're not tough on crime around here. Well, here's a story that might give you pause. A guy who evidently robbed a cabbie in one of Binghamton's fine neighborhoods, a guy has now been sentenced to up to three years in prison for an $80 heist. So we have details about the story at WNBF.com. But as near as I can figure, the guy was not armed. And when I say the guy, the defendant in this case, or suspect, and now he's convicted. He, they say he pleaded guilty to third-degree attempted robbery, which is a felony. Uh, According to the news release from the DA's office, the guy was arrested in connection with the robbery of a cabbie on the north side in January. The taxi driver immediately reported the heist. They say $80 was taken forcibly, so there's no mention of a weapon and there's no indication that the taxi driver was hurt. Um, The police eventually located the suspect and arrested him after uh, reviewing surveillance video from the area. And again, according to the news release, $80 was taken in the robbery. And for that, the 31-year-old Binghamton man has now been sentenced to one and a half to three years in state prison. So I would submit to you that New York State is getting tough on crime. So say if he winds up actually having to serve the full three years, which is unlikely. It's one and a half to three years sentence. So I I suspect if he minds his P's and Q's and is, as they say, a very uh, good member of the prison population, he may be able to get out in 18 months. Who knows? Maybe less. I don't know really how that works. But say if he isn't lucky if he isn't fortunate and things don't go well when he's incarcerated at a correctional facility maybe he would have to stay there for three years think about that a guy who has to stay there for three years let me see well i'll do the math later i'm just saying For someone who allegedly forcibly robbed a cabbie of 80 bucks, if he has to spend three full years in prison for an $80 robbery, I submit to you that New York State now is getting tough on crime. And therefore, people won't be inclined to engage in criminal behavior anymore when they hear that story. They think about it. I know. Many of us are strapped for cash. Times are tough. We won't have enough money, in some cases, to heat our homes during the brutally cold winter just around the corner. But that doesn't mean you should resort to felonious behavior. Please don't. But some people might. But here's, the, here's a case 
proving the point. If you steal, forcibly steal $80 from a cab driver in Binghamton, you might wind up going to state prison for three years. So that's something to contemplate. Uh, it's 9.31 at WNBF. Coming up next, we will talk about blues on the bridge. Everything you need to know about blues on the bridge is coming up next right here at News Radio WNBF. In Binghamton, be there. Join us now to discuss the events. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, hi, Bob. Hi, hi. Who, who's on the WNBF hit line now? Good morning. Oh, well, this is Donnie Wilkins. Uh, Tommy Martino's is kind of busy right now. I'm meeting with the electricians down there right. from Memorial Street Bridge. He's a busy guy. We're both busy today, but he's always busy doing this. Oh, that's that's good that he's he's uh, getting focused on on taking care of things that need to be taken care of before the start of tomorrow's big event. That's right. Yep. And everybody should tomorrow if they come down the blues on the bridge should hunt him down and thank him because he has turned this thing into one of the biggest events in Broome County and the Southern Tier. When we feature all these great local acts, we do all kinds of genres. We hit everybody with something that they like, and it's a great show. And what's nice about it, we are now on Saturday instead of Sunday, which turns it into a different animal, which means there's going to be more people, but we're ready for them. And it all starts right about midday tomorrow, correct? Midday. We have a feeling we're going to be running late on our schedule just because there's a lot of extra things going on tomorrow, but they're good extra things. I think people are going to enjoy the whole show. Um, I, I suggest that maybe you get down there a little early, get your spot, because it does crowd out really quickly. So tell us a little bit about the history of Blues on the Bridge and the fact that uh, now, after two decades, you have to say this this truly is a Binghamton tradition. Yes, it is a Binghamton tradition. We started out back in 2001. We were supposed to start going off on it on a just like three or four days after 9-11. And, of course, we had to cancel. We had to regroup. We started the next year on the old Washington Street Bridge, and it was a great party. There was We weren't expecting like maybe 400 people. We got 900 people. All four of the blues bands are really good. 
And it started out, just got bigger and bigger. It got to the point where we got so big, we had to move off the Washington Street Bridge because the city and our liability insurance would allow, wouldn't allow us to get away with that anymore, even though it was really cool and a lot of fun. We moved over to Memorial Street Bridge, and that actually turned out to be a better spot. It's actually the most beautiful location, I think, in Binghamton and Broome County, the Confluence Park area. If you haven't ever been down there just to walk around, you should go down there and just see it. It's beautiful. It is remarkable. It's one of the nicest spots in the tri-state area, in my opinion. Now, tell me about logistics, because as you mentioned, even now, even as we speak, work is underway to get set for the uh, event, this year's Blues on the Bridge in Binghamton. But obviously, it's not just, oh, we throw things together in the last uh, few days before it happens, and and it's good. I mean, this takes a a collaborative effort that goes on, I suppose, almost year-round. Yeah, well, first, we wanted to close the bridge down tonight, but they they can't let us do it because it is a major thoroughfare through Binghamton, the Riverside Drive, Memorial Street Bridge. That's a pretty busy intersection. So what we have to do tomorrow at 6 o'clock in the morning is close the bridge down. The staging company comes, starts setting up the stage and the awning, which is major league staging, like you see in the arena. Um, They have to do that really quick. You know, usually you have a whole day to set up a show like this. They have till 12 o'clock. They have six hours to go. And it's pretty amazing. They back the truck up. The stage comes out. They pull the truck out after the stage comes out. The sound company comes in, loads it in there, and they're going fast, faster than they usually do. So you got to God bless the Binghamton stagehands. They, they do a wonderful job. We, we do the show. The second the show is done, all that stuff has got to come down within three hours because the stage, the uh, bridge has to be opened up at 12 midnight again. It's it's a pretty pretty wild thing to watch when it's happening because everything is going fast. You got the vendors setting up real quick. You got Tommy running around being Tommy, you know, being busy as all heck, and and it just seems to fall together. It's like an airport. Airplanes coming in, airplanes going out, and that goes on all day. If you look back, if you ever like take a look at our backstage, it's pretty pretty busy back day. But we got a good system going. You know, it occurs so. to me what what you ought to do. Of course. It's great, great to come up with it the last minute, but um, you ought to set up like a camera so you could do a time lapse so people could see what what's going on, say even now, and then what what actually transpires, say over the next whatever forty eight hours. I think that'd be a fascinating time lapse video if you could compress all of what's going to happen over say a thirty six or forty eight hour period and then uh, compress it down to a minute. I think that would be an incredible video. Yeah, there is an incredible video. Somebody did that ten years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, and I can't re- I, I can't remember who did that, but it's out there on the internet. Oh. Um, the thing is a lot bigger now. You just see it now. It's even pro- if they did that now, it, it, it'd just be like wild. It'd be like New York City coming up in a matter of like a minute. So anyway. give, give us an overview, and you don't necessarily. I know I'm asking you to do. Um, Ah, what the heck. If you want to give us uh, as many of the acts that are scheduled to appear, there are a lot. I was going to say just tell us a few, but feel really? free to mention yeah. as, as many as you want because, you know, this is this is radio. I have all the time in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll rattle them off, and then I'll talk about a couple of them. Okay. Strat Cat Willie and the Strays, they're from the Elmira area, great blues band. Um, what I'm impressed about is their keyboard player, Neil Massa. 
legendary keyboard player. He's played with uh, Chuck Berry and other other great musicians. Um, Reckless Marcy, of course. You know the Backwards Blues Project uh, from uh, Ithaca. Great band. They're coming in. Home Brew. That's Jimmy Rian who does the uh, Rec Park Music Fest. His band, really good. Of course, the Parlor Cats, Pasty White, and Rocket 88, Beard of Bees, Caviar and Grits, String of Pearls, Rooster and the Roadhouse Horns, my band, Planet Smith, I'm bragging a little bit, and the Rods. Um, the Rods are a, like a metal band, heavy metal band, very popular. The reason I got them up there, because it features David Feinstein, who used to play with Elf, and Ronnie Deal, and there's a lot of history from Cortland. They're going to be playing some Elf songs, by the way, so it's not going to be all heavy metal. Um, very popular. You know, they've been around for since like 40 years. They have like 15 uh, CDs. They're nationally, world nationally known. They've gone on world tours. They were signed by Arista Records. That's going to be a great rock and roll show. That's going to hit all the demographics, everybody that likes rock and roll. So, and everybody does, by the way. Yeah. Oh, and I have special appearances to fill in the holes while the other bands are setting up. Joe Stento, Tim Rufro, and Jeff Behera from Dirt Farm. So we have no dead air going on all day long. And I'd also like to point out it's free admission. You know, you can't go wrong with it. You know, it, it's a great show. Well, uh, what a great lineup. That's that's a lot of music that people will be uh, able to enjoy over a, a period of several hours tomorrow afternoon yep. into the evening. Well, the weather looks like it's, it's going to happen. It's beautiful. Um, this is our 20th one we pulled off. If you think about it, we've actually been trying to do this thing for 22 years, but with 9-11 and then we had the COVID, those are the only two years we couldn't pull it off because, you know, so this is actually our 20th anniversary. And I, I got to tell you, Tommy Martinos is the guy who deserves all the credit for this show. He's the guy that puts it together. He's the guy that makes it happen. He puts a lot of love into it. He puts a lot of love into making sure we got the right stage. He puts a lot of love into making sure it's a good show and everybody's happy. He's always thinking about how we can make people happier and make this event a bigger event. Um, when we're gone, some you know we're all both getting all a little older. Hopefully, there'll be somebody else who can take it over and put the same amount of love and care and you know respect for the local musicians that he does. Yeah, I I would think that uh, there will be people who will step up to the plate to continue the tradition that now has been established over the past two decades. So again, that's Blues on the Bridge, centered yep. around um, the Memorial Bridge, right? Yep, the Memorial it used to be on the Washington right. Street Bridge, but it got too big, we had to move it. Um, it's actually a better location. It sounds great there. It makes a national amp natural amphitheater. Please, everybody, get there. It's free. You can't go wrong. You'll have a great time. And the fort, as you mentioned, area. A what? Hmm? We have a beer area. No, area. you have a oh, beer yeah. area for blues on the bridge. Area. Oh yeah, we've done that for five years. It turned out to be a very successful thing. Um, what I like about our crowd is they're very mature. They're very well behaved. Um, they do get rowdy in a happy kind of way, but they don't get out of line. Um, like I say, um, there is an open container law in effect. In other words, don't be a fool. Um, the smoking rules are in effect for the park. 
we can't control what you guys do out there, you know, people being what they're going to be, but everybody's well-behaved, and it's a beautiful day. So, Well, I'm glad it's going to happen. Glad the weather will cooperate for this event. Uh, it's just I, I think we've been very fortunate this summer with so many events, whether it was the Speedy Fest and then Luma and the golf tournament and Endicott. So many things have happened over the last few months, and certainly given what all of us have been through during the pandemic since the spring of 2020, I think people are are really starting to smile and, and feel better about things oh, as, yeah. we, as we move forward. I thought Luma was great. Luma was great. I thought, the, you know, Speedy Fest is always the Speedy Fest. That's great. And, and I really like just how everything is coming together here in Binghamton and Broome County. It's, it's just become a beautiful thing. Donnie Wilkins, thank you for chatting with us this morning. I wish you and everybody the best for Blues on the Bridge tomorrow at the Memorial Bridge in downtown Binghamton. Thank you, Bob. Take care. Bye-bye. 946 at News Radio WNBF. More calls coming up, 607-772-1290. Also, next hour, the historian, noted Historian Gerald Smith will be in the studio. You can talk with him about Binghamton history. It's all here, live and local. We're serving the community as we have for nearly a century. This is News Radio WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and you're always connected with us with the free WNBF app. You want be. Bob Joseph live on this Friday morning. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Joyce from the town of Maine. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Never better. Wonderful. The reason I'm calling is to draw attention to a bill that has been proposed. It is called H.R. 8331. It's early in the process, but it has some hope. And what this bill would do is postpone taking RMDs for seniors for 2022, which would lower their taxes and preserve um, some of the value in their retirement accounts. This was done in 2020 because of the pandemic. And you weren't required to take your RMD, and it gave your accounts a chance to recover. As you all know, and everyone knows, the market is taking a hit. And people who are seniors are hoping that this bill will get some attention and something will light a fire under it so that it can get pushed through. Um, Because what happens is, is your RMD is based on the value of the market. At the end of 2021, that would be December 31st, 2021, and the market was doing pretty well. The problem is, is when you take your 2022 RMD, it is based on the value of the market, December 31st, 2021. Now, I I looked up, and I just want to um, tell our listeners, 
what this is because when you said RMD, I didn't right. know immediately, and that's so I looked it up online, and it's required minimum distributions, and according to a website called moneytalksnews.com says RMDs are essentially a minimum amount of money that you must withdraw from certain types of retirement accounts every year once you reach a certain age, which is now age 72 for most people. Right. Okay. That is correct. And some some people, you know, they had to take their RMDs because the rules changed from, I think it was 70 and a half to 72 in recent couple years here. So, but the the problem obviously with that is is you're taking that percentage out of the number that was high the end of 2021. You're required to take that number against the current market which has taken a hit of is it 4 to 6,000 points? Four to six thousand. Well, it's a lot of points, uh, percentage wise. It's, it's a lot percentage wise. Well, well, it it is, it is. But sometimes, if you focus on the points, it sounds really bad because, you know, I mean, look at how the the Dow, for example, has gone up over the last few decades. I mean, I I'm old enough to remember. I think when when the Dow Jones Industrial Average some days was was closing at, I don't know, six hundred or whatever. I'm remembering Walter Cronkite, and it was. Yeah, the markets had a terrible day today. They they dropped seventy seven points or whatever. So, but yeah, percentage wise, it it isn't good. I mean, you, no matter how you slice it, but certainly if you say yeah. you know sometimes it's gone thousand down thousands of points, that sounds even worse. But you're right, percentage wise, it hasn't been it hasn't been fun for a lot of people. Hopefully, things are going to start to stabilize now. This legislation, according to the website I mentioned, was introduced by. Uh, Congressman Warren Davidson, who's a Republican from Ohio, do you yeah. know? Do you know about the uh, members of Congress from our area if if they're supportive of this legislation? I made a few calls um, a few months ago, um, and I did receive a call back from Claudia Tunney's office to discuss this. Um, if it was any any way possible that someone would propose this to make it optional. In other words, some people could choose to go ahead and take the RMD, and other people would prefer to let their account recover. Um, and at the time, this bill was not in the queue. It hadn't been proposed by anyone. So they were nice enough to call back, and one of her associates took time to discuss this with me, and I let them know that, you know, I wasn't the only senior thinking about this. And many seniors would have to take the money anyway. But the point being, um, if this were to go through, it would make it optional for people who want to see their account recover before they take that money um, because we have little control over all these other things going on in the country that are affecting the emotional mood of the stock market. And um, the stock market is responding in a negative way. So I thought if I called and draw attention to this, that, excuse me, <clears throat> that um, other ears would be perked up, other people who listen to your station, including legislators, congressmen, senators, would think about, amidst all this other things, they have a chance to do something good for seniors. It would lower their tax bill. Yeah, it'd be great. I don't I don't see any yeah. reason why they wouldn't support it. So did you receive any indication from... Claudia Tenney's office that she is inclined to support this? 
Her associate understood the concern, um, but, uh, but again, this was a couple months ago. The bill had not been proposed. No one in Congress had, um, you know, I guess proposed the bill till now. Maybe it did create a little stir. Um, the bill would have to go through what it has to go through before the, before the president could sign it. Um, but I think it's a good idea to make it optional, give seniors a little, at least they'd have the option. And it would lower their tax bill if they were able to not take the money this year. And I think it's a good idea. Sounds good to me, based on what you mentioned and based on the story I see on the website. Well, I appreciate your uh, bringing it to my attention, Joyce. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for giving it a platform. Maybe it'll create a little attention, like I said, in the ears of congressmen, senators, other seniors who might want to call their you know, congressmen or senators. Well, you know what I'll do? What's that? I will I will donate the global resources of WNBF and WNBF.com so Claudia Tenney or any member of Congress will be permitted to call in and I will allot up to five minutes during our, our 11 o'clock hour between 11 and noon. I will allot up to five minutes for any member of Congress, including Claudia Tenney, uh, even... Um, Charles Schumer. Even yes. if, if Charles Schumer, I mean, can you imagine how powerful a message it would send if Senator Charles Schumer were to call in live, say at 11.15 this morning, and on a Binghamton radio station, announce that he officially supports this plan? That would be great, because I know our budget, you know, we have a grown son who's doing, he takes care of himself and works very hard. But even as seniors, you walk in the grocery store and gasoline, I know our budget has increased by three to $400 a month as far as what we need to cover different things. And this would provide a little breathing room, a little sigh of relief for those seniors that if they don't want to take the money, if they want to lower their tax bill, I think we should think about the seniors and do something. Every little bit will help. I appreciate your call. Thank you. It's 9.58 at WNBF. Uh, security has now completed the screening process, and the noted historian Gerald Smith has uh, been authorized to enter the inner sanctum. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. You know, your microphone there sounds better than ever. What did you do with it? I just sort of pulled it to the right position, and I'm like, like very close to it. Well, that's the difference. See, yes. one of the toughest things, though, with broadcast microphones, there's, I think, the kids and the the kids, the young, the young ones, oh, up and coming. They yeah. call it the sweet spot because with every microphone, no matter what type, there is a sweet spot. For example, say if I'm even one inch off the sweet spot, you can tell the difference. Whereas, as a broadcast professional with many months of experience, I know to speak. At the sweet spot, and listen how sweet it is. Okay. Just like ice cream. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yes. By, by the way. Yes. You, you've let one of the cats out of the bag. And we will, just so you know, everyone, a broadcast alert. Circle this in your radio guide. Because yes. coming up in less than 15 minutes, WNBF will have an expose on the history of Binghamton area ice cream. So... If you've ever gone to an ice cream parlor in Binghamton or any right. of the contiguous counties, you must listen. And you also must 
participate. You must participate. This is not optional. This, no. This month, it's a requirement. This is a survey, and <laughs> yes. we need your We need your help. Input. So what, I'm not even going to say anything about Pat Mitchell. All I'm no. going... Wait. Did you say Darn. Pat Mitchell? Darn. We've got to edit that out. I'm not going to say Humdinger stand. Darn. <laughs> Darn. I'm not going to say anything about Big Dipper. Darn. See? Anyway, we're we're gonna we're already looking forward to a mmm ice cream mm. on this final Friday of summer. That and more coming up next, as noted historian Gerald Smith provides us the knowledge we desperately need here at News Radio WNBF Binghamton and WNBF, where news breaks first. News Radio twelve ninety WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 10.04, a nice late summer day, not quite officially fall. Currently 54 degrees in Binghamton. The dew point still very low and comfortable at 46. Not much of a breeze. Sunshine today and a high in the mid-70s. A man who forcibly stole cash from a taxi cab driver in Binghamton is going to New York State prison for one and a half to three years. The Broome County District Attorney's Office says 31-year-old James Lynch of Binghamton pleaded guilty to felony attempted robbery. Lynch had been arrested in connection with a robbery of a cab driver on Pleasant Avenue in the city's north side on January 28th. Authorities say the taxi driver immediately reported the incident and Lynch was located by city police and arrested following a review of surveillance cameras in the area. The DA's office says about $80 was taken in the robbery. Well, after being sidelined by legal action filed over a plan to place tolls on some Pennsylvania highway bridges, including one on Interstate 81 in Susquehanna County, the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation is resuming its environmental reviews for bridge replacement projects. Commonwealth Court judges on June 30th decided municipalities challenging the plan to put tolls on eight interstate bridges in order to pay for their repair or replacement were right when they said Governor Tom Wolf's administration and the Department of Transportation did not follow the law when studying and laying plans for tolling. The ruling put the brakes on any further action by PennDOT and the Wolf administration concerning bridge repair and replacement, including continuing the environmental studies. In July, the General Assembly amended the Major Bridge Public-Private Partnership, or MBP3, to take out the idea of tolling to pay for the repairs. PennDOT says it continues to study and evaluate alternative forms of funding to support the Commonwealth's transportation network. Transportation officials say since tolling is no longer in the equation, projects are moving forward through the federal environmental review process under the National Environmental Policy Act. PennDOT is documenting how each project would affect the surrounding community's quality of life, including health, safety, cultural resources, and environmental resources. Comment forms are available on East Project's website. WMBF First News Time 1006. New York is reaching out to public service employees to make sure they take advantage of a limited-time federal student loan forgiveness program. State legislation establishes better guidelines about what qualifies as full-time public service employment in order to access the PSLF and allows employers to certify on behalf of their workers. The clarifications put the full-time requirement at 30 hours. State officials say there are currently around 2.7 million people 
in New York State who work in the public or nonprofit sectors. Since 2007, eligible public service workers have received an average of $61,402 in debt relief through the PSLF program. Those public servants have put what would have been student loan payments into spending on other necessities like housing, transportation, and groceries. State officials say they're working with organizations like the United Federation of Teachers, Nonprofit New York, New York Conference of Mayors, and the New York State Association of Counties to get the word out. PSLF requires borrowers to be full-time employees of an eligible public service employer and make 120 qualifying payments toward their student loans. After that, the remainder of their federal student loan debt is for given. For more information, go to dfs.ny.gov. WMBF News Time 1008. Broome County's popular drive through holiday lights display at Otsenango Park is announcing what is literally a bright idea. The Broome County Festival of Lights has acquired the Tall Pines Forest of Lights in Pennsylvania's entire inventory of lights and displays. The Broome County Festival that will be in its third year will now be serving Pennsylvania and upstate New York and is planning to expand from just drive through to what is being called an entire holiday experience for the whole family to enjoy. That will include out-of-vehicle experience experiences, including visits and photos with Santa Claus and food and beverage vendors. Event coordinator Dave Pisagno says the organizers expect this year's festival will attract thousands of visitors from across New York and Pennsylvania. As with past years, the event will offer special nights for fundraising opportunities for local nonprofits, clubs, schools, and church groups. There also have been special admission rates in the past for veterans. Organizers say more details will be coming later. Organizations interested in fundraising and businesses interested in the limited number of sponsorships available now can contact Dave Pasagno at 607-762-2475. The 2022 Broome County Festival of Lights at Otsenango Park in the town of Dickinson is scheduled to run from November 21st through January 1st. Once again, more details will be coming closer to the opening day of that display. WMBF News Time 1009. If the WMBF Twin Tiers forecast for the rest of today, sunshine, a high in the mid-70s. Partly cloudy tonight, but patchy fog setting up toward daybreak, a low in the low 50s. Sunny tomorrow after some fog in the morning, a high in the low 80s. Sunday, sunny, slight chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, a high in the mid-80s. Monday, 80% chance of showers, maybe an afternoon thunderstorm, high in the upper 70s. And Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high in the mid to upper 70s. Currently, it's 54 in Binghamton. It's 9-11, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Brush up on our waiting hours of summer. Did you hear that uh, fall arrives next Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. My wife's favorite holiday. 
season, rather. I used to like autumn, too, until 2020 when we got blasted with 49 inches of snow. Yeah, well. You know, I'm not bitter, and I don't hold a grudge. My body still hurts. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, and now every time, two things, either every time it rains or every time it snows, I get worried. Yes. So it's it, it's caused the flooding from 2011, and then that snow, which remember, that the biggest snow in my lifetime happened not in winter, it was in fall, it was right. you know, yeah. a few days before winter began. So those weather events have forever traumatized me. See? That's why you need the girl from Ipanipa. I do. Let's sit back just for a moment and contemplate. Sit about a margarita and go, ah. Yes, Jimmy. Jimmy Buffet. That's right. In Margaritaville. with wearing like my Hawaiian shirt. I almost wore a hat, you know. I almost wore my Hawaiian shirt today to celebrate the final there we Friday go. of summer. Is this Beyonce? It sounds like Beyonce. I have no idea. Very nice. Very pleasant. Yes. It's a nice, smooth way to open the show. Well, there you go. Yes. Uh, that is, of course, the official theme of Binghamton Then, starring <laughs> noted historian Gerald Smith. Mr. Smith, welcome back. Thank you, Bob. Glad to be here. Well, we're... I can't go into details, but today, probably by the end of business at WNBF.com, there will be a story about ice cream. Okay. <laughs> and if not... We will make news during this hour. Yes, there may be breaking ice cream developments. That's right. Now, I don't want to oversell the story, as I sometimes do. Let's not. But we'll just say (laughs) it's going to be an interesting story. And it's unfortunately, and you know, you were were treated to the so-called condensed version of what's going on over the last couple of months. Yes. Leading up to the eventual publishing of this story at WNBF.com. And so I won't bore the listeners. I mean, after all, we only have 45 minutes in the program. So I don't want to bore them with why why it's taken two months to get to the point where I can finally publish my ice cream story. Okay. But I think, after, after all is said and done, I think this still will be a fine fine effort on the part of WNBF, Town Square Media, and our entire team. Or you. Or me. <laughs> there but, you go. But, oh, by the way, and, yes. and, and without, again, letting any more cats out of the bag, yeah. um, I will commend you in advance, or thank you in advance, because you've well, actually provided a couple of things yes, that I did. are going to be part of... And we the, won't say any more. No. Oh, no, no we won't. No. However... However, now that we have set the stage and, you know, made people hunger for That's right. ice cream news. That's right, because this, this could be a really big scoop. <laughs> you know, bum. see, and that's the thing. Like you, you need a drum roll well, sound on your thing, yeah, you know? You know, rim shot. The, yeah. um, the thing is, when it, it's not my idea. When we do these stories, WNBF.com, Apparently, there's some sort of law that says then I have to call attention to my stories both on Twitter and Facebook. Okay. You know, all things being equal, I don't want that kind of... I don't want to have to publicize my stories, but apparently, I guess by law or something, or maybe it's just a company requirement, 
you will push your stories. Exactly. That's, That's right. That's, Just like I will mention, yeah. hey, look, I write columns. Yeah. I do At talks. Pressconnects.com. Yeah. You know what it is, Gerald, if I may call you Gerald. Okay, Robert. Or Mr. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly it's taken a formal turn. Yes. Um, what it is now in 2022 is... Uh, evidently, we all have a brand. You have a brand. Yeah. I have a brand. I guess I do. Yeah. And and look, uh, and I don't want to Which tell... Which is why I do the shameless self-promotions, because that's how it works. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're not proud. No. We do what needs to be done. Yes. Because we're working for the man. Oh, we can't say that. That's sexist. We're working for the person. Yeah. <laughs> and so, for example... Your features, yeah. they're, they're very, very popular features, both in the print edition, the very popular print edition of the Present Sun Bulletin, as well as the constantly growing PressConnects.com website. Yes. And by the way, I encourage people, don't take advantage of one of those cheap discount offers where you get access to the online for uh, six months for 99 cents. Pay full price to support local journalism. Okay? That's right. That's what I, that's I what like I'm getting paid. Well, exactly. Yes. I mean, you know, if, if if they get a thousand people... People are always surprised that they pay you. And I said, yes, I've been doing this for like yeah. 10 years. Yes, they just pay like, me. Just like you would like to get paid by your, yeah. for your monthly appearances here. I would. You would like to. I'm not going to, but... I would like to if, if I own... I'll I'm, tell you what, <clears throat> Gerald Smith. Yes, yes. Bob noted Joseph. historian. If it were up to me, I would pay you a $1,000 appearance fee every time that there you set go. foot into the studio. I'd but, be here every day then. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just take over. Heck, I'd be here 24 hours a yeah. day. It's like suddenly... I mean, it's like I'm doing a walking tour tomorrow for SUNY oh, Broom okay. of downtown Binghamton. By the way, there's still openings because I'm picking up the attendance sheet after this show. Mm-hmm. But guess what? They pay me to do that. As and, they should. And as I should. Yeah. I'm doing. I'm back doing programs for groups in person, because I've got two booked in October, one in November, one in January, plus another walking tour. I always like doing this one. It's my Spring Forest Cemetery tour, right before Halloween, October 23rd, from two to four. And if you want to go and see me dressed up as the Undertaker, I wear a top hat and the whole thing. And wait, I tell, I take you on a tour of a cemetery. Those are always fun. And we think I've been doing it for over 25 years now. So it's a, it's always a fun one. Now, but they are, pay how, me. How are people supposed to register for this? Well, they can call SUNY Broom Continuing Education or go onto their website at sunybroom.edu onto Continuing Ed. And then you click on the button that says see our catalog or something like that. And my things are listed under, get this, personal enrichment. Because you are your your soul is enriched when you join one of my talks or tours. Well, that's or whatever. That's why when you look in in your weekly copy of Radio Guide, uh, you go to the back of the book, as they say in the industry. You go to the back of the book, right right in the final few pages, and for radio programs that deal with personal enrichment, you'll see this one is usually the the one they publicize most weeks. See. 
Yeah, in fact, I'm doing a thing for the Friends of the George F. Johnson Library to promote their annual meeting on October 4th at 2 o'clock. And we're going to be doing a PowerPoint on the life of George F. Johnson. Isn't that a big surprise? Oh, by the way, I commend you on that recent uh, three-part series series on on George. I got a lot of comments on that, which is how it kind of led to doing this program. And I said, you know, I've talked about EJ and this. And they said, would you come and be our featured speaker for our annual meeting? I said, sure. So we'll see what it's like to be back out with people in a room and not just a Zoom program. Uh, So we'll see. And hopefully people will join their friends group because that's a good group. Well, that's excellent. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, it's sweet. It's it's just like ice cream. Thank you. Thank you. Now we've come full circle. I I got back to the segue. Yeah, yeah. like, like that guy from, oh, now I can't even, I was about ready to blurt out something associated with the story because i've been working right. diligently i might yes add. you have actually i can't imagine how much time i've invested in, in apparently a, quite a bit ice cream feature story must must be i what little i know yeah must be i, I love ice cream. he has spent a lot of time yeah that's you know you would you would think i was investigating i don't know like the mob meeting at apple no no dairy gate <laughs> Yeah, now, now that's added intrigue. Because, that could be a you know, moving story. And mm. you know what I might have to do between now and the end of business today is take a little trip to a darkened parking garage and <laughs> to, to talk to yeah. an anonymous insider named Deep Scoop and find out what's going on there. Because, again... Now I'm not saying there are any improprieties. No. no, that's that's not what I'm implying. No, I'm just saying make some things make you wonder. But again, some of this will become more obvious. You if, could have gone to the parking ramp behind Boscos, <laughs> but it's not there anymore. No, they took that down. Yeah, so you might be. I'll, you know, actually, I'll I'll ask my source, Deep Scoop, to meet me in the. Temporary parking? The, no, no. The parking garage over here at State Street. Ah, that's even on, closer. On the lowest level, level oh, D, where yes. nobody dares tread. That's dark down there. Oh, it's dark and, you know. Scary. People used to live there. Mm. I don't think they had the mayor's authorization, but I'm serious. <laughs> you know, people say, well, when you say people used to live in the lower level of the parking garage, you're kidding, right? And I said... No, I don't kid about stuff like that. That's that's know. why you don't go down there. No, but I will probably at about twelve thirty this afternoon. If a guy in a trench coat that looks like Hal Holbrook, deep scoop. I think that's the right one. How about you and I will be? You can join me at twelve thirty because I'm afraid to go down there. So <laughs> you will be like Binghamton's Woodward and Bernstein, Ooh. and and then we get all the. Shocking insider information from Deep Scoop. That's who we'll call our source. And yes. it turns out it's actually a special agent for the FBI. <laughs> and um, and and we'll find and, out. And we actually have an FBI office here. We do. Yes, in the federal building. One morning, and this is true, actually early this year, I was driving into work at about back when I had to come in really early. So around, I don't know, 4.58 in the morning, I was just driving through, minding my own business, as I often do. And I'm saying, well, what, what are the all these armored vehicles and, and, you know, SWAT teams? Because they were in a parking lot. And I won't even disclose where they were, but right. they, they had 
I hadn't seen that kind of law enforcement presence. They were staging. And I thought, well, it's probably best in these circumstances to just continue on to the news center in Binghamton and mind your own darn business. But, but on the other hand, so you I are decide, a newsman. Yeah, so I decide that it would be clever, as well as interesting, to satisfy my insatiable, usually insatiable curiosity. So I thought, well, I'm going to pull off here because they were assembling in a big parking lot, but it was sort of concealed. But I'll, I'll be clever, and I'll take the back way into the parking lot and then pull up next to one of their armored personnel carriers. Does the word stupid come to mind? <laughs> so, Or, you know, sort of like, my life is not worth much. Well, on the other hand... They don't have... When they are working, they do not have a big sense of humor. No, no, I, I can confirm that. <laughs> the the uh, FBI, the DOJ, local police agency, state police... They don't smile the much. The sheriff's investigators... And everybody who was assembled on that fateful morning in the village of Endicott, uh, none of them really had a big sense. Of, although some of them knew me. I mean, which was good. Right. Because some said, oh, hi, Bob. What, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's like, you can't be here. Yeah. It's like, please go away. Really? This is, this is an invitation only event. Yes. And I thought, well, then why don't you schedule your events in a place that's less conspicuous? <laughs> I was like, and I'm sure they're saying, well, who in their right mind would be out at 4.55 in the morning looking for us to be staging mm. for, a, for a raid? I was like, some of us just get intimidated. Many years ago when I was working in our old library building on Exchange Street, and a nice man came up, and he showed me his badge. <laughs> and he said, I'm so-and-so from the local FBI office. At which point I thought, what have I done? That's my first inclination, thinking yeah. I'm just giving used car prices and stock quotes and things over the phone. Um, he just needed a book. And, and it was something we had to borrow for him from right. someplace else. But I said, I didn't know we had an FBI office. How many people are there? And he said, I'm it. But he's a special agent. Yes, he is. And he was very nice. He is nice. And I, I, I mean, this is... 25 years ago, so maybe a different special agent now. Yeah, but it he, is. But. He wasn't, he he had his business, he was looking, he did it, And but I was just, I was impressed, you know, it's, it's, and I thought, oh, yes, sir. And the smart mouth me didn't say anything. I just did my stuff uh, without comment. One thing... Unlike think, those who pull up behind them and say, hi, I'm well, here. But first of all, the, here's, the, here's the key. For future reference, if you ever see like law enforcement, <laughs> FBI, Department of Justice, ATF, and other agencies, DEA, and other agencies whose initials are confidential that we can't even say on the air, like NBF, that agency, um, if you ever see them staging and you think you have to be nosy and butt in you know hey how you guys doing what what are you up to well the m most important thing is always keep your hands visible keep yes. your hands you know on the Both steering hands wheel visible pull up don't no quick moves everything is no if, if you must approach the staging area please approach carefully with caution with caution and, and a um 
either a neutral or happy face is probably to your advantage. If you have um, a face, an expression that that looks like you're in any way angry or perturbed, not a don't. Good no. no, no. So it all it all worked out. Um, That's good. In in the end, we we had a very interesting story that otherwise would have gone completely unnoticed. But still, but still, and, and the bottom line is. After after all that, and I didn't have. See, the thing is, I had to be here by a specific time. Yes, and, and the clock is ticking. Yes, and you know, from Endicott, I was calculating. Let's see where I am in Endicott. It's going to take me sixteen and a half minutes to get to the studio. I mean, to actually get right here where I have to be. Did you add in the minutes to get on handcuffed? <laughs> well, that's why. That's why I was on my very best go. behavior. I've never behaved that well, and so everything was cordial. That's good. And we had, as they say, an off-the-record conversation with law enforcement officials some of whom i knew and also with right the special agent who of course um directed me he said well and i'm paraphrasing well bob what you can do is call our albany office and talk to our person i said well i know her i i actually met her a few months ago which was a good thing and, right. and i said i'll give her a call because she knows me and i think we hit it off because she had been here in binghamton actually for an fbi media okay. event so that that worked out well and i yes. said i'll give her a call and i did and we you know everything was fine always oh, more than fine was that, so actually it had a happy ending See? you know what what could have been Yes. What could have been a memorable final day could on the job. Me, could have been giving me my opening to host this show. Yeah. But you're still here. So darn the luck. But and I'm on this side. But here's me, you know, after all these months of being in the reporting business. So, and I shouldn't have asked. Here, here's the thing. I just should, I should have just done what you're supposed to do as a reporter. Just take pictures. Because first of all, it's not in a private area. It's out in the open. Right. And it was just starting. Light was just starting to come up. And so I could have easily, as I slithered away in my Bobmobile, I, I could easily have just taken a couple of pictures of this assembled multitude. And then moved on. Yeah. And, and nobody would have been the wiser till they looked at WNBF.com and said, How'd they get that? Oh, that little scamp. But I... I was kind, and I I did something I still regret. I I asked him. I said, uh, I, "I think I phrased it. Suppose suppose I can't take any pictures, huh?" And he said, "No, no." <laughs> so I, but but you asked. Well, I asked, and I should. That's good because, as I say, yes, you know there would be nothing illegal about it or immoral. And by the time it was published, the events of the morning w would already have transpired, so nobody would have been. Endangered, yeah. So, well, well, that got off the topic. Ice cream, man, sweet. You know what? I think seal test, Dairy Lee, Frojoy, Frojoy, River Valley. Yes, thank you. You I'm know, sure not, the Akels are happy about. Yes, Ron yeah. is very happy right he's, now. He's probably he's saying, listening. He listens. Yes, I know he listens. I know he does. And I'll tell you what, Mister Akel, I remember the good old days. At all the local giants here in the Binghamton area, all local giants had, uh, I think it was River Valley. River Valley. And, and, and a full half gallon, and I think sometimes it was available for like 49 cents. Yeah. 
Now those were the days. It my wasn't friend. their brand because they didn't have their own right. brand, but it was a, a it was, regional yeah. brand they brought in. Because I asked him great. Ron one time, and he said no. Oh yes, uh, Neapolitan, or as we called it in our house, Van Chalk Straw. But and here's the thing about that. Don't get me going because we were almost ready to go to a commercial break. Oh, which we should. We should. But about that, so it has three flavors. Yeah. But did you ever notice that they all taste the same? No, strawberry was a little different. Yeah, and chocolate. There was, you know, back back in the day when my taste faculties actually worked (laughs) pre-COVID. Now, yes, now I could eat any kind of ice cream. It's like okay, that's icy. It's sweet. Um, but what I always noticed, the amount they allocated to chocolate was smaller than the amount they allocated to the others. You're right. So I'm and just saying. Those of us who are a chocolate fan always got upset by that. Yes. So I'm glad I wasn't we the only one. We should sign a petition. Too late now. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, that ship has sailed. Yeah. Well, coming up on WNBF, we'll be taking listener calls. So if you have something to add, if you want to speak to a noted historian, live, 607-772-1290. Operators are standing by now to handle your call on WNBF and WNBF.com. In the summertime on WNBF. That's right. But people are having ice cream. Oh, yeah. We better... Maybe we should actually talk about that. Well, we will. Okay. And, I'll, and I'll tell you one thing. is, yeah. is If people in, in the history of ice cream around here, if, if they ever had a favorite place where they would go get ice cream. Yes. Because that's what's really important. It's not so much how the ice cream... Well, it is important how the ice cream is made. But everybody around here probably has their favorite place. Sure. You do. I do. I do. I grew up in the town of Shenango, so we went to Jones's Humdinger Stand. And if we, it was a special, we went across the river to Everett and Thompson's Dairy Bar on the Brandywine, which actually really? was a true... It was in a barn, converted barn, because they ran a dairy operation. No kidding. Yeah. But you grew up in Endicott, so you might have gone to some guy by the name of maybe Pat Mitchell's. What was his first name? Um, oh, I just saw it this morning. <laughs> Darn you. Um, <laughs> Evil Bob. Evil. What was Pat Mitchell's first name? I want to say something like Clarence, and it wasn't. I just saw it on the on a, Wouldn't it be funny if it on was... On the caption. Yeah, wouldn't it be funny if it was Otto? <laughs> I don't know. Not really, but... It wasn't, but no, it wasn't. But it, the, the the caption had no. It was a story, and I was looking it up yesterday, sure. and it had something Pat Mitchell. Well, and I went, oh, I, that wasn't his first name. Sure. It'll, I'm sure, it'll come I'm to sure you around three o'clock tomorrow morning. Yes, it will, or right. a caller will call in. Yeah, actually, I know, but I'm just playing. Okay, I'm I'm Let's being. Let's see if anybody out there yeah, knows. I'm being difficult. Well, and where did they like to go? I looked up one. I had to look it up. I remember going with my parents at a young age to some place on Main Street in Binghamton. And I finally looked it up, and it was called Talbot's at 192 Main Street. And their big thing is they served Dairy Lee ice cream. Oh. And for those who don't know, Dairy Lee is a shortened 
form of Dairyman's League Cooperative. Those are all regional farmers, because my father was a member, and my grandfather, and such. So uh, th- that was Talbot's, and that was around for a long time. That was sort of a classy place for ice cream. Hmm. Well, the thing about Pat Mitchell's, and maybe some of our listeners will talk about Pat Mitchell's, the original place, not not the one where right. they ultimately moved to right. after our good friends at the DOT tore down Pat Mitchell's right. ice cream stand that had been there since 1950. They decided, oh, that's, that's impeding progress, so let's tear down the historic Pat Mitchell's ice cream stand. Yeah. That's the DOT for you. But... You know, I don't hold grudges. Um, so the thing about Pat Mitchell's was it was never fancy. It was not like one no. of these fancy places you might see. Right. Well, this is pre-places like Friendly's or Howard Johnson's where they were chains coming in, where there was a standard look. These were local, run by families. All right. uh, I, saw, I found one called Ring's Soft Ice Cream. On the fairgrounds in Whitney Point. No kidding. And I thought, I don't know this. This is from 1967. I kept thinking, oh, I remember 1967. <laughs> um, and then there was the Vandervoort Dairy Bar on Main Street in Vestal. That, I think I remember hearing about. I don't think I ever went there. Which, there is one now, and, and actually a caller is standing by, okay. believe it or not. Um, and the caller is... In a we go, I just wanted to point out there's a place there called Ice Cream Works with an exclamation mark. That's the name of their business, Ice Cream Works exclamation mark. Oh, okay. And I was over there last March. It's hard to believe. It was um, oh just about six months ago, and the new owners had taken over, Sean and April. And uh, they said they had purchased the Ice Cream Works business from Mike and Diane, uh, and they had launched it in 2012. So okay. people in Owego, I I know I drive by there in Owego sometimes, and, and I see that place seems to be doing great business. That's so good. Ice Cream Works, exclamation yeah. mark. And I think this uh, kid from Owego, Jesse, have you ever been to that Ice Cream Works, exclamation mark? I sure have, but you guys are taking away my thunder. Dairy Lee, ice cream worked. Holy smoke. You guys are on a roll this morning. <laughs> we are. It's, uh, so we, we got a telegram from the Museum of Broadcasting, and they said they're going to send a, a, a courier in an armored truck to get, get the tape of this hour uh, at 11.01 as soon as we process the tape, and they're going to uh, have an armed courier take it down to their broadcast museum in manhattan so people in in new york city by the end of the day will be able to listen to this i don't know bob but once you uh well you threw me off guard when you played girl from infamita i couldn't even spell it <laughs> i'm like what is up with that this sounds like i'm in an elevator watching them slow moving tapes at wqit i was just gonna say there you go your quiet island that's wqit so where, so where, when you were a kid, where did you go get your ice cream cones? Uh, ice Cream Works was the first place. Before that, it was uh, Kai's Bottling Works. But he would serve ice cream on rare occasions. And, of course, he had a Neapolitan. Okay. And on Halloween, what he would do is give out free bottles of uh, his... Uh, Kai's Bottling Works was famous for, like, Jick Jack, all kinds of... Uh, Unique bottled 
uh, oh, best stuff on the planet, but on occasion... You mean Moxie? Well, I didn't see Moxie there today. I wish I had. But boy, oh boy, he'd bring out that Neapolitan, and you were right about the chocolate. It was thinner than the vanilla scrub. Now, question, soft-served or hard ice cream? What's your preference? Soft. Okay. Big time. And there's a place in Candor. Oh, my gosh, they got the best raspberry soft ice cream on the planet. Hmm. And it's the only place that serves it. I thought that, I don't know if Ice Cream Works does. I got to get down there, but. You're picking the wrong month of the year. You should have gone back two months. That's, well, that's true. Really that's true. Well, we're always a little late. So. Well, that's okay. okay. Well, my birthday's in October anyway. Mine so, too. You know. <laughs> well, there you go. That See? explains it. With your sense of humor, I think I should take some courses. I could probably help you teach the courses, but my sense of humor is a little darker than yours. Oh, well, I have to be careful sometimes. So do I. Yep. <laughs> you know what? Bob's the only one that can spell his name and walk backwards and forwards at the same time. Thank you. Just like, just like Otto. I was just going to say, Otto, I always wanted to. If if my mom hadn't chosen um, Bob, my my second choice, if for some reason she had not named me Bob, I would have hoped that she would name me Otto. And I'll tell you Bob. one thing: you never saw the movie Repo Man, did you? Yes, I have. So, do you know Otto and Repo Man? You remember I thought him? It was a George, I thought it was a George Carlin joke, to be honest. <laughs> well, Thank I think I remember that. I, I just, I'll just say this. If, if you find, um, go find yourself a VHS tape of Repo Man and play it, and then you'll know. I, I just think Otto. Otto. <laughs> I, I mean. I still have a. I still have a VHS machine, by the way, and that old school, Bob. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll do you one better. Not only do I have a VHS machine, I have a beta machine. So Ooh. what do you think about that? Ooh. Oh, the big fights back in the day. I remember that. Well, yeah, the big battle. The I battle know, of the I formats. know somebody has a working 8-track machine. I still got one. See? Even record. See? Yeah. There you go. All right, were you going to ask something about, hey, Jesse, were you going to ask something about the toll bridge? Yeah, did you guys know back in the day here in Owego, the Court Street Bridge was actually a toll bridge? And I don't know what brought up toll bridges. I don't know if you said something or someone else. But it was very interesting back in the day. Uh, You'd pay your fee, which I think was a nickel back then, and the horses would actually guide you across the bridge. That's, and unfortunately, a flood took it out. But. Well, that happens. I mean, almost all the bridges up until like the 1860s or 70s were toll bridges. Oh, that's true. Even here in Binghamton. Yeah, because they they were private bridge companies that put them up. And then by the time we get to the 20th century, they're all municipal run, so they were free. But you're absolutely right. You had to pay your toll. Yeah, Some, some horses, uh, sometimes the toll depended on whether it was just a oh, single person on a horse or if it was a wagon or if they were taking freight they would charge by the weight uh so yeah that was that was big uh transportation back in the mid-19th century i well, think me and bob i i do have a good idea i think we should make 962j in toll bridge because that's my favorite bridge we want to oh yeah there, there's something 
You know, the DOT is open about most things, but the Department of Transportation will never want to address the shameful, the shameful story of Route 962J. <laughs> Am I right? You know yeah. It's their secret shame. You got to teach James Kelly that because I never hear 962J mentioned anymore. I really miss that. All right. I will uh, attempt to address that issue. Thank you, Jesse. Get your kicks on Route 962J. Rolls right off the tongue there. Yeah. We'll continue this uh, broadcast probably uh, after these important messages. You think we should? We still have a few minutes left in the hour. Yeah, let's do that. The heck. The heck. I have a couple couple other things to say about ice cream. Okay. We'll see if our listeners... You know, I thought... Everybody would call in. Right. And now... It was like, well, no, you 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 kids are right. There there are only two two good ice creams that that ever qualified. Pat Mitchell I've got and more listed here. I know, and we'll get to them. Yes, those, those yes, additional we will. ice cream meccas coming up exclusively on News Radio WNBF. News Radio. WNBF with Bob Joseph and the noted historian, Gerald Cramp. No, Gerald Smith. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> now, now people are saying, Gerald Cram. What? We were just talking and, about and one that yes. nobody's called yes. in about. So here's the thing. So yes, we, we were talking about our illustrious mayor, Jared Cram. Yes. We were also talking about Jared Cram's dad. Jeff County Cram. Executive Jeffrey Cram, and even more intriguingly, and to our point, about Jared Cram's grandfather, Paul Cram. Yes. And of course, he was um, Jeff Cram's dad. And it turns out, and I kind of sort of knew this, but Paul Cram had run a place in Hillcrest that also featured ice cream and other stuff. Yes. Which is now, I think, Susie Q's, but mm-hmm. it was the Cram's place, yeah, for decades. Yeah. So, I mean, every, as I said, every location, and nobody has called in about Little Leon's in Vestal, which was there for yeah. decades. What about Tom Carvel? Tom Carvel for Carvel's ice cream. Was, you know... Here's the thing. Tom Carvel and Tommy Van Scoy. You never saw them in the same room. But they had the same voice. Yeah, so... Tommy Van Scoy, Van Scoy. Hi. Hi, this is Tommy Van Scoy. And then, remember, uh, they they tried to... Oh, they um, Tommy Van Scoy bought a jingle. And again, this has nothing to do with ice cream, no. but it should have. I'm a lucky girl. Oh, hey. Oh, boy. Now, I could sing That's that. right. That's right. I could sing it, but I won't because, you know... We, my, we value our my FCC wife license. And my, my wedding bands came fans from Vanscoy's Diamond Mine. In Vestal, right? Yes, in Vestal. I, I won't say what year it was. Yeah. It was a while back. You're right. I have a story, but I. But Carvel's, I, you yeah. know. And if anyone ever noticed that Wendy the Witch, if you flipped it around, was the same as all the other shapes, they used the same mold, but did it in different directions. Or even Fuji the Whale. Yes. And it's like, why would you call a, a whale Fuji? Why not? But you're right. They yeah. all... They, it was the same mold. They just flipped them around. Oh, you know, uh, another place 
because there's this ice cream stand over on uh, Riverside Drive in Johnson City. Yes. Immensely popular. I drove by there yesterday. Which was, was the Carvel's ice cream. Yes, it was Carvel. And then um, Donald Lee Baker took it over mm-hmm. and turned it into uh, his own ice cream shop for for several years. And then now it, it's Sugar Lips. And good ice cream i i mean i remember in the all those car uh incarnations carvel right and then when the um the ice cream shop was operated by mr baker and then now just like decades of ice cream delightfulness and on upper court street or court street was tasty freeze which yes. is run by the Puglisi's. what about friendly's who was uh fred friendly who uh i think also had worked at CBS News, but apparently Fred Friendly started uh, some ice cream shops, too. I remember... Just, just a small little chain. Yeah. Yeah. And then he closed down almost all of them. He had one over there in Vestal on the parkway. He had one over there uh, in Endicott where Burn Dairy just opened up their new yep. Burn Dairy one on store. Upper Front Street yep. near my area. And the one over by the... Well, he had one in the Oakdale Mall and by the Oakdale Mall. Yeah. Now, the one by the Oakdale Mall near the medicinal marijuana shop which yes. is i think it's great to have uh the fred friendly's ice cream shack next to the medicinal marijuana shop i just think you know that which, which is built on top of the site of my grandparents house synergy <laughs> yeah, well yeah that's let's try to grab a couple of quick okay. calls here tim from binghamton you're on hey hello hi when you brought up uh, ice cream i thought isn't it everybody's childhood favorite thing to do in the summertime absolutely was well, mine so yesterday I, I stopped in at Sugar Lips, but they weren't open. They changed their hours. They're not open until 3. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, okay. anyway, I drove by there yesterday when they were open, and and, and people were still uh, still getting their last licks in. Oh. My question is, uh, who designed the, the roadside ice cream shop with the big windows and tilted and... Was that a 50s? Thing? Yeah. I mean, if you look at like Jones's Humdingerstein, which is actually a, a, a replica of the original one that was a few feet away, that was that's featured in a book about these places in the 1950s. And that, okay. that's how, if you look at Carvel's, that was their, their style. These were like the roadside, lots of space, lots of light, and you could see the ice cream coming out of the machines. Yeah. yeah, those were the days. You, you can always, uh, some are still, they're empty, but you know that was an ice cream. Thing. Yeah. Right, yes, indeed. Great, great times. Thank you for sharing you. your memories, Tim. Well, that's all the time we have. You shall return. Yes, I will. Gerald Smith on October 14th. Okay, I'll put that in my book. Well, or... On, you can on, put it. Any, it's already in my book, so you're scheduled to appear then. There. In the meantime, thank you so much. Hope you have a great weekend. You too, Bob. Listening to WNBF, WNBF.com. For 15. I have been local for you on a Friday morning on News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Should be a nice, comfortable day for the day today. Temperatures into the mid-70s with sunshine. 
Numerous media outlets are reporting the death of a Sayre man in an industrial accident in Bradford County. According to the reports, 39-year-old Jeremy Lanzo was fatally injured in an explosion at Eureka Resources on Route 6 in Wysox Township in Bradford County on Tuesday, September 13th. The Lehigh County Coroner's Office, according to the accounts, says Lanzo died as a result of chemical and thermal burns. The Sayre man had been transferred to the Lehigh Valley Hospital in Allentown where he died and where the autopsy was conducted. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration is investigating. According to the Eureka Resources website, the company removes impurities from recovered industrial water and isolates recyclable chemicals and purifies recovered minerals and cleansed water so it can be returned to its natural purpose. The company is headquartered in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, was founded in 2008. A United States Department of Labor Inspection detail report found online had listed a total of four violations, three classified as serious at the Wysox plant in a case that was closed in 2016. The inspection document does not specify the nature of the violations. Company officials have been unavailable for comment. The first budget proposed by Binghamton's new mayor is $2 million leaner than the $99.1 million budget last proposed by his predecessor and carries a bare minimum reduction in property taxes of 0.01%. Republican Jared Cram's $97 million ledger calls for adding three police positions and fully staffs the fire department with the addition of 12 recent fire academy graduates. The proposal also increases the price of the city's blue garbage bags by 25 cents. In other highlights, the mayor said there would be no increase in water and sewer rates. Several customers of the Binghamton-Johnson City Joint Sewage Treatment Plant, owned by the city of Binghamton and Village of Johnson City, have seen large increases in their water and sewer bills in the past year. As for finding a way to pay for investments in infrastructure, public safety, general expenses, including salaries, insurance, and benefits, and upgrades to facilities like city parks and public spaces, Cram says he looked to the current revenue sources like sales taxes, state aid, and property taxes instead of placing a bet on money coming in from future legal sales of recreational marijuana. Cram says while he expects Binghamton's first adult-use cannabis shops to open next year, he put no revenue from sales of weed into the budget. Cram says, quote, we have no way of estimating the expected revenues from the local ex tax on cannabis, which will give municipalities three cents for every dollar of cannabis sold. Binghamton City Council will be reviewing the spending plan, scheduling public hearings, and proposing any of their own revisions before voting on a final plan in the upcoming weeks. A New Jersey company is planning to construct a solar array at the Greater Binghamton Airport in the town of Maine. Above Grid is seeking permission to build the facility off Commercial Drive on about 30 acres at the south end of the airport property. Broome County Commissioner of Aviation Mark Hefner says the solar farm would be situated below runway grade where there is now a mix of trees and open space. Above Grid co-founder Joseph Tassone says the company is planning to build approximately 6.3 megawatt solar array. The county legislature is expected to vote on a proposed 25-year lease for the project next week. The company would pay $30,000 a year for use of the site with an option to renew the lease for four additional five-year periods. The company is expected to present details of the project to the Town of Maine Planning Board next month. Tassone says Above Grid's goal is to begin work on the solar array early next spring. 
Medical professionals, whether they treat people or animals, will be getting a discount Sunday on admission to Ross Park Zoo's Illumination for Conservation massive lighted lantern display. Speaking on tomorrow's public affairs program, Southern Tier Close-Up, right here on WMBF at 6.03 a.m., Zoo Director Philip Gittner says as the days for the festival near an end, the last day is October 16th, the hours are earlier with gates opening at 7. You can hear more about the festival and the zoo going year-round as well as other events at Ross Park on the Southern Tier Close Up tomorrow at 6.03 a.m. right here on News Radio 1290 WMBF. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast sunshine today, high in the mid 70s, partly cloudy for tonight, patchy fog toward daybreak, a low in the low 50s. Tomorrow, sunny, a high in the low 80s. Sunday, sunny, a slight chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, a high in the mid 80s, and Monday, an 80% chance of showers and thunderstorms. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 12 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. And this is the third hour with Bob Joseph taking calls now at 607 772 1290. Call in and win a little bit of airtime from News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. See what happens over the next uh, 51 minutes. I think it's going to be good. First couple of hours have been great. Thanks again to noted historian Gerald Smith for joining us in the studio and sharing some of his knowledge with us here on the station. Bill from Corbettsville, you're on. Okay. <laughs> Bill wanted to talk about ice cream. I don't know if Richard's still here. Richard? Mm, no, Richard. Well, we I wasn't sure. I During the news, I was going to actually check to see if Bill and Richard were still on because they wanted to talk about the ice cream. And you still can. I mean, Gerald Smith, of course, is very, very busy, so obviously he has other obligations, and he just left the studio. Of course, during the news, I was telling him the amazing story about how I managed to get on WNBF radio for the first time. I've, I don't think I've ever shared the story, and I won't do it today, but I might in the future because it's, it's sort of intriguing. You would think that if you're going to go to work for a radio station, you would think that it all would have been carefully orchestrated and planned in advance but that's not how it worked here at wnbf radio and fortunately for everybody concerned it was in a time when people didn't have video cameras or cell phones or anything all we had i think were film cameras and i didn't have a camera or else i probably would have taken pictures and that probably would have been inappropriate but anyway one of these days I think I may tell you about the first time I was ever on WNBF radio. It was unplanned. <laughs> I wish I had a tape of it because I think it actually went quite well, but it's just weird how it happened. 
I mean, it's very weird how it happened. And I'm, I'm not even sure now that I think about some of the details, which I was sharing with the noted historian during the news, I'm not sure that even now, many years later, it would really be appropriate to explain how it happened. I guess I could do a very condensed version, a sanitized version of how how it happened one fateful day a few years ago that I wound up being on WNBF. Again, I wasn't supposed to be. I, I was at the station, but I wasn't supposed to be on the air. I don't even know that I had officially been hired. I, I guess I might have been hired, but Actually, I think I might. <laughs> I don't even think. No, I don't believe that they actually had hired me. But one thing led to another, and before I knew it, it's hi, hi. This is Bob on the radio on WNBF, and well, see what happens. I'm still here. <laughs> Can't do anything about it. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. If you want to continue our examination of some of the area's best ice cream places over the years you can do that i would note right toward the end of our hour with gerald smith people suddenly started flooding the phone lines because they they waited inexplicably they waited during most of our hour and then waited till the final 10 minutes or final eight minutes of the program to decide they would call in and talk about their favorite ice cream places and you know unfortunately we couldn't get to at least a few people who were on hold eventually time runs out as it does for all of us anyway you can call if you want send an email i'll probably read at least one email this hour you can send it to bob at wnbf.com friday morning filled with joy the final friday of summer on news radio wnbf 92.1 fm 1290 am and always available on the wnbf app some recording
that I was the star. Of the it's WNBF 1117. Mark in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Morning, Bob. Great talk. Uh, Jerry Smith always does a great job on speaking of Eric Burden and uh, wine infused ice cream. Did you ever try that? Oh, I did once. It, it Only once. Around, yeah, but I don't think it took off. My wife decided uh, drinking the bottle of wine is much simpler. <laughs> I mean, not the whole bottle. Yeah, yeah, just, just three quarters. Um, on the ice cream topic, uh, there was a, a Carvel my sister worked at um, no, 60 years ago and was now the Route 17 bridge on um, the airport road area. Um that was a long, long time ago. Seventeen, of course, destroying that whole neighborhood. Um, but more importantly, um, a fellow passed away this week, Mr. Albert Roberts. He owned Mr. Softy and all the trucks that were around in that nice chime that would draw people here and there. Um, he had that franchise for 50 years, I believe. And... Um, he just passed away, so I, my friend worked with him um, when we were in a 17-year-old group and um, ran quite a business. Oh, you know, I think I, I think I met him. Um, if you did, you'd remember. He, yeah. he was quite a character. Well, he was, and I'm just punching up now a story from the newspaper. I, I remember uh, Bill Wingell, I think. Hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I haven't talked with Bill in a long time, but he he wrote a little profile uh, about Albert Roberts and uh, his ice cream operation. It was a business iconic, spotlight. Yeah, yeah, the iconic blue and white vans. Um, they were all over town. He had like ten, maybe, um, in his day, and took one to Woodstock. Oh, himself. really? Yeah, um, so there you go. Oh, the consummate well, businessman. <laughs> yeah, uh, the uh, headline on that business spotlight in the newspaper, the Press and Sun Bulletin from 2007, the headline was, Ice Cream Man Employs Good Humor. So it was a nice headline, and it says, Albert Roberts has been selling ice cream from his big white and blue vending trucks so long that many of his customers who bought those cones when they were children are buying them now for their own kids. Yeah, and, see? Yeah. Genuine. And even then, so in 2007, according to this feature in the newspaper, it was his 50th year selling ice cream treats on the streets throughout the triple cities. So the uh, story... Uh, poses a question. So does Roberts think it's time to celebrate? Not really. I think it's time to quit. He said laughing, I'm getting too old. And he was 74 at the time. And he said his, yep. his vending business was up for sale, but let's face it, that's a, it's, a niche, it's a niche business and even something that's really valued by people in the community. Uh, and I, I can only imagine the amount of hard work that it would take to, to make it make it go and in fact he said he, he worked over those decades selling ice cream from those mr softy trucks uh, you know you had to work during during those months when the weather was good you had to work some long days when you work for him you work too um whether you know right from start up to go out on the road to shut down in the evening yeah and uh to your point about woodstock says uh 
Roberts had signed on as a franchisee of Mr. Softy Incorporated. It was in 1969 that Mr. Softy headquarters asked him to drive to Sullivan County to service a summer music festival. And little did he know probably what he was getting into. Said Roberts and two of his employees spent three days selling ice cream from two trucks to some of the 450,000 people who attended Woodstock. Roberts said the three of us drove down with two trucks and a station wagon full of supplies. It was just unbelievable, the magnitude of the people who came in there. We were in one big field, and the only performer I remember hearing was Janis Joplin. <laughs> wow. That, that, oh. that wasn't his category of music. No. But, um, um, I could just see him be, being there. He had stories. I, I used to deliver newspapers to his house. And, um, Where, in the town of Union? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Town Union, Chocolate Center. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. So probably not far from where the newspaper used to have their office, up there at the yeah. business park yeah. or something. No, that place didn't exist at the time no. when no, I was I, delivering newspapers. No, I, I know. they. I think they build it for the ill-fated Seven Color Copier oh, yeah. Venture. Don't get me started on that. No, um, trust me, a whole other story. Um, he also assumed ownership of uh, Airport Kitty Lane. Oh, that's um, right. That's another yep. thing that uh, we need to talk about maybe in October when, when Jerry Smith returns is uh, Airport Kitty Land, because I believe Airport Kitty Land initially was operated by a doctor, and, and that that ran, I guess, for several years, and then a doctor sold the business. But I don't, I don't believe I knew that Mr. Roberts acquired yeah. the business. Yes, he did. Um, when I was out in my teenage years, too, he was to linger around up there at the drive-in and his place and uh, uh it's all good stuff um a hint with um when you have jerry smith on a lot more calls in you know because everyone's anxious to get in i know your dialogue gets going well but here's the thing you guys have good stuff well that's an excellent point but what usually happens so we give the number usually in the first three minutes or five minutes of the program so i keep an eye on on the phone lines yeah i'm telling you, you at the end yeah i'm telling you for the first half hour it doesn't happen every month but frequently for the first half hour when jerry's here and yes he and i get going on a wide array of things but then people i think are so transfixed apparently by by hearing us talk that they don't bother to call in, and then what happened today is what happens in in uh, many months of of the segment. Then people suddenly start calling in with ten minutes to go, and, Fair and then it's, yeah, they, yeah, they do. Uh, you approach a lot of topics, and then you light. Everyone lights up the ice cream stuff. My dad took me to Talbot's um, in the day when I could barely remember it, but um, I do remember that name. Well, that's. That's all uh, good stuff. But, yeah, uh, one other thing. Peace. Yeah, so um, so Mr. Roberts was he still living in this area? Oh yes, yes, he was at uh, people on Middle Stella would notice his fruit or produce stand out in front of his house, but of course everyone knew that it was Mr. Softy Trucks there too. So and also Shelby Mustang guy too. So he's uh, he knew his Mustangs from front to back. Hmm. When was the last time you spoke with him? Um, I have it. My friend popped in um, just a while back. Um, he's he who used to work for him. Um, 
55 years ago. And um, um, so he was in good health right up to um, a while back. And um, at 88 years old, kind of catches up to you. Yeah, yeah. Busy guy, though. Yeah, according to the um, obituary, yeah, he was born in 1933. 88, 89, whatever that turned out to be. Yeah, the obituary says he um, passed away, yeah, age 89. He passed away on September 8th. And, And I'll tell you one thing that I remember, because back when our station was at Center Plot, or no, at Security Mutual Building, sometimes because I was working in the afternoon and evening, sometimes when I would come into work, the closest place I could find a convenient uh, parking spot was over on Lyle Avenue, near where the... That's uh, where he kept them. Yep. And, and that, that garage, I, I always was intrigued. I never never um, got the chance to actually stop in and talk with him, and I, I you know, oh, that's look, look back that uh, as as a missed opportunity. But I remember always seeing seeing the trucks at at the uh at the garage there on lyle avenue and thinking yeah that would be a good story but that's before i i had a talk show if i had a talk show then i i certainly would have would have invited him on to to talk about his business because and you know just based on that profile in the newspaper i'm I'm sure he would have been a very very interesting guest yes and def- yes indeed um there's no doubt about it and um yeah that at lyle that's where he stored most of his trucks. And my friend at 16 years old, his job was cleaning the windows so there you can not see the window even. And uh, it w- he was insistent upon it being just right and uh, good discipline, good employment. Well, thank you for the information, Mark. I appreciate it. And thanks for your patience as well. Excellent. No problem. Good show, Bob. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. 1127, live and local, Bob Joseph on WNBF, talking about our community. We serve this community. WNBF has been part of our community for nearly a century and will continue. We will continue to serve you. That's my plan. 607-772-1290, Bob Joseph, News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM. And 1290 AM. Welcome to News Radio 1290 When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got worries, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. Downtown, just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Linger on the sidewalk where the neon signs are pretty. How can you lose? The lights are much brighter there. You can't forget all your troubles, forget all your cares, so go down. Downtown, this is the place. We're the only live media outlet currently serving downtown Binghamton with real news, real information, and a real talk program. 
to boot. 607-772-1290. Dale in Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Nice sunny day. And I'm looking across at the uh, train station and the and the trains are moving. They're not on strike or anything. There's a lot of trains moving back and forth. And there's an ice cream shop down by the uh, the baseball field. You know, don't want any crab. Figured that one out. And it's working. You know. And uh, oh, it's great. And uh, you oh, know that, boy. which reminds me, by the way, the baseball season is coming yeah. to an end this season or this weekend. Uh, we've got yeah, three games is. left. I don't know. Um, the United States Post Office will be glad of that because the parking lot bolts up <laughs> on the United States Post Office. Right. Um, well, so the ice cream yeah. shop, uh, Mark Yonati, oh, Mark Yonati, there with his Scoopy Doobie. Scoopy Doobies oh ice cream. And a real life ice cream cone with with real life strawberries and whole milk made out of uh, ice cream. And I, I it's making my mouth water just thinking about it. Oh, it's uh, it it is really good. And yeah, it, the last I knew, I don't know if it changed, but I I think Mister Yanati told me that uh, that the ice cream was was being sourced. I think it was being sourced from Maine. Yeah, I, I've been to Maine. So. And Tucker. and because he he discovered it, I think one time, and when he was up, boy, in, it tastes in Maine. so good. Oh, it's great! It's great. I uh, been there a few times this past summer. One one time, well, actually, the last couple of times that I was was there, uh, kind of late. I think it was after dinner, yeah. and and we said, uh, you know. Just down around the corner, yep. and pick up that cone, and you know, the ice cream cone. And it just makes my mouth water to think and, about and it right what, now. You've been there. yeah, and and the you thing know? the thing that was I, I was a little concerned because it was a night that there was a baseball game. I thought, yeah. oh well, I don't know if there's going to be um, any spaces oh, to park for the ice cream shop. But yeah. but Mark Yanati was there actually at the entrance to the parking yeah. lot, and he said, wow. oh come on come on in, we, we reserve some to, uh, get a piece of ice cream that you want oh you know what uh, the other thing i'm just looking at now they have cookie ice cream sandwiches did you ever try one of those (laughs) yes i did oh my gosh i live right around corners yeah well thanks for bringing that up the scoopy scoopy doobies uh they're at the old train station right next to the marconi tower Holy cow, and Kilmers and everything. You oh, know, I know what I can I ask you. I admire these people that have taken care of that train station, you know, tower. And well, here's here's something, and you might know, Dale, since you live near there. Um, who put that monkey up on the Marconi Tower? Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to say. I am. <laughs> yeah, you and some of your friends, I'll bet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the horse from? Uh, <laughs> Where's the horse, of course, that can come missing? <laughs> Let me put it that way. Exactly. Anyway, thank you for the call. I, I hope you have a great weekend. Yeah, that monkey on the Marconi Tower. I mean, come on, man. Who did that? I know you're saying the guy from Scranton did that. Yeah, he did that. By the way, the guy from Scranton, who also is giving us 
much, much lower gas prices. Now the prices are plunging so fast, I'm worried about the mom-and-pop gas shops because gas prices keep plunging. What about them? What about them? What, what is the guy from Scranton going to do for those people when the gas prices keep plunging? See what I'm saying? Let's take more calls. WNBF, good morning. You're on. Yeah, Bob, uh, call him to let you know about that concert. I couldn't get a call in yesterday. Wait, who, who is this, Brenda? Yeah. From the Forks? Yeah. Yeah, so did did you see the Alice Cooper? Yeah, it was great. There was a lot of people there. He sang great. He's a, he's a great, great, great musician. Uh, just wanted to let you know, yeah. Um, he sang a lot of songs that I'm familiar with and then a few that I'm not so familiar with. But anyway, it was a very, very good show. A lot of people there. All right. Well, I appreciate your calling in. Glad you had a chance to... Yeah, and, and for his age, I mean, he can sing. He put on a great show. His guitar players are outstanding. The drummer's outstanding. Actually, I recorded it all. Uh, I, I was like, I haven't seen a good concert like that in I don't know how many years. The last one I saw was Errol Smith right here at the Veterans Memorial years ago. So, good concert. Really good concert. Just wanted to let you know that. Have a good weekend, Bob. Okay, you as well. Thanks, Brenda. 1137 WNBF with the most calls in America. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yes, this is uh, Vinny from uh, Binghamton. Oh, you again. You know, how do you get in so much? You know, you seem to, what do you, what do you know, the facilitator? Do you have like a special hotline that they give you so you can be on the show so often? No, I just. I just listen to everybody, Bob, and then I call in and state my opinion. That's so you're 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 ex, you're accessing the show the same way that normal viewers do. Absolutely. All right. Well, I just Absolutely. wanted to make sure that there's not some. I want to make sure, Vinny from Binghamton, that it's not rigged. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Not all right. Because I, I, I heard we, I heard one kid on the street. He told me. Raj, he said, I think I think that show on NBF is rigged because that Vinny from Binghamton seems to get on often. I told nope. the guy, I said, first, my name's not Raj. And I said, uh -huh. I don't think it's rigged. Well, yeah, next, hey, Bob, you see these people like that? Was, well, do you call into the show? How many times do you call into the show? What do you have? What do you think? Instead of just sit there and look at your conspiracy stuff. Well, you know, oh, that's I what I, I, I imagine these people crying in their room temperature beer saying uh -huh. oh Vinny from Binghamton's on again and, and I'm thinking to myself yeah what's what's wrong you're you're on your fourth beer of the morning so you don't have the ability to to put seven digits together come on man it's That's it's it. so easy it's I could do it yep just call in and state what you gotta say well you know Bob I, I wanted to talk about uh, earlier this week we were with uh, 9 11 and uh, the article and everything like that and I said you know it, it my opinion it's not the American people it's the politicians and I just wanted to touch on one thing that's going on now it's it's getting some play but it's not really and it's these governors from Florida and these governors from Texas that want to Round up these uh, illegal aliens, put them in a bus or plane, and send them to uh, Democratic cities. That's my point right there. That's exactly my point. And so I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, I wonder how many other illegal aliens are out there that when these planes or buses land, you don't see get off the plane. And I found this article, two, actually two articles. One was March 1st from the Texan, 
It was Hayden Springs did an article, and he says, Russia, Chinese illegal aliens breached the southern border. Greg Abbott says, they're coming. Chinese and Russian immigrants are coming over the border. Illegal. And then I found another one that was in the Washington Post. Says, migrants from Russia are smuggling into the Key West in Florida on boats. And by the time, a lot of times, when our security gets there, they're gone. And these people are coming in suits, well-dressed. They're being dropped off. Now, I, don't, I, I know uh, DeSantis likes to blow his own horn down there, but I'd like to see some of these Chinese and Russians get off these buses and, and, and uh, uh, planes. And I'll tell you, both governors, you better, you better pray to God that none of these buses crash or none of these planes crash either. Well, I still, even if um, there are no problems actually with transporting people from one great state to another great state, even even if they arrive safely, I still have this sense that ultimately, once once this goes to court, as I would think it ultimately will, I, I think ultimately it's going to be ruled illegal. And I, I don't know that anything will be done. I'm not really sure what what punishment could be uh, imposed on the governor of Florida or the governor of Texas, you know, maybe just an admonition, basically a slap on the wrist saying it's illegal and governors should not do this sort of thing. But I, I can't believe that if this ultimately goes through the courts and even, dare I say, all the way up to the Supreme Court, even with the current nine members, uh, with the exception of one person who's on the Supreme Court, I believe, and even he, by the way, even he, I believe, might rule that this is illegal and and just plain wrong. But it, it would probably be either a unanimous decision or an eight-to-one decision saying governors just can't do this. I, I just think, yeah, cut the funding. Cut the funding to the state. Well, and maybe that will happen. You know, it's yep. it's too bad if it has to come to that. But you know what? Yep. It may come to that. It shouldn't have yep. to. And then they're going. You know what they're going to do? Then they're going to they're going to have media events. They're going to say, "Oh well, because we had federal funding cut, we're going to have to lay off twenty police officers in Miami." Or because we had federal funding cut because of our illegal and immoral actions regarding shipping people to other states without proper due process, uh, we're going to have to cut eight police officers from Houston, and then they're going to have commercials and say, Joe did this. And it's like, well, you know, you know, it's it's too bad that we live in such a cynical time. Well, you know, it is, Bob. And, and the other thing is, is the news, you know, like we've talked, you've talked many times, cut down the journalists and all that stuff. This stuff gets buried. It goes on down there like they're talking about how when he was running again, Abbott, it was uh, Alan West and some other guy were criticizing him on his, what he's doing here in the state as far as illegal immigration. Well, he's, he said, oh, this is all Biden's fault. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Us New Yorkers, we have got nothing to do with what's going on down there. Okay? We're trying, every state in this country is trying to take care of itself. And now he, these guys want to say, well, you see how it is? What do you mean you see how it is? Can't you handle it? And you want to... Possibly be a a a a, a, a um, candidate for the president of the United States, and you can't handle immigration, really. Like I said before, let that guy, let Abbott, let them guys run for president. Get out out of Florida. Come on up here in the in the 
in the rest of the, the country and let's see what happens. Because this is the same guy that blamed COVID on the New Yorkers coming down there and spring break. Oh, it's those New Yorkers and all those northern people coming down here bringing that COVID. That was this guy. That was Abbott. I mean, that was Abbott. That was uh, DeSantis. But, I mean, to send people on a bus and plane, illegal, and, and throw them up here. I mean, that's just so bad. That's so bad. And I just, I just wanted to say that. I'm like, this is my point. This is what keeps people angry. This is what keeps people arguing. It's these politicians. They continually do this nonsense. Well, we can do better, and we should do better, and ultimately, I think we will do better. But I don't know when exactly that will start. Maybe it will start in mid-November when there's not as much to be gained politically from engaging in stunts that affects people and other communities. It's 1145. I'm Bob Joseph, live and local on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. In fact, the phones we go, Roger in Coconut Center. Good morning. Good morning. Nice show. I enjoy it every day. Um, first, I'd like to give you a compliment. And uh, a week and a half or two weeks ago, a caller called in and uh, berated you for what they perceived your uh, left-wing leanings and some of your callers. And you were extraordinarily polite, unlike some uh, talk show hosts from three to six who shall remain nameless, you let the person speak. You didn't interrupt them. You didn't uh, say anything until they were finished. And I would just like to thank you for that example of manners. Um, It was very nice. Uh, And the other thing is uh, I've been listening to them talk about um, uh, the governor of Texas and uh, Florida sending illegals uh, up into New York or Chicago or wherever they've been sending them. And uh, people were uh, rather upset about that, that that was uh, possibly illegal. But nobody says anything when the Biden administration sends them at two o'clock in the morning to the Avoca airport and then buses them up into New York. And I just thought, well, if it's wrong for one person to do it, then it should be wrong for another person to do it, don't you think? Yeah, it, one would one would think that there should be some, I don't know, consistency. But in life, let's face it, whether it's any political issues or so many other issues, uh, there rarely is consistency from one thing to the other. And, and we get a lot of people trying to make um, false analogies or false comparisons things that are you know false equivalency i guess happens a lot of times when when we're talking about some serious issues well these the 
cities, as I as I understand it, if I have this correctly, the cities that they're sending them to are sanctuary cities. And uh, as far as the flow of people coming across the border, um, whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump, he did have the border situation pretty much under control with the uh, stay in Mexico until we can vet you. And uh, uh, one way to look at it is I'm quite sure you as a news person realize that we have a lot of nutty, crazy people in the United States. Yeah, already. some actually right here in Binghamton, sadly. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a disparaging way. It's just uh, it's uh, the sad yeah. truth. I mean, it's just uh, you take um, a population, say you take 100 random people. I mean, some people, you know, one or two people may have some issues. Yeah, and I, I think that's very important that we vet these people thoroughly because we have our own crazies and we don't need them from other countries, if you know what I mean. And the other thing is I've heard uh, more than one news report stating that they've uh, intercepted people coming across the border from at least 140 different countries. Um, I've heard that quite a few times on, and I think that's another reason I think that uh, we should take control of our borders so we know who's coming in. Uh, all of us, unless you're related to Sitting Bull or Crazy Horse, are immigrants. But with the condition in the world today, we have to be more careful of who we allow into the country. I agree. But I, I think it's time, as, as bizarre as this might seem, it's time for, say, somebody like Kamala Harris and um, Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis, it's time for people like that to actually sit down in the same room and discuss our situation like adults. Well, they have tried, I believe. Um, well, then we everybody, I'm not pointing... Uh, my finger at one person or one party or another. I'm just saying everybody needs to try much harder. Also, it also might not hurt to tone down some of the rhetoric and and take a few initial steps to, shall we say, um, ratchet things down about seven notches to to show an indication that that maybe maybe you want to come up with a deal. And not just continue to use the our situation, the sad situation here on many levels, as a political issue between now and the midterm elections. Because I get a sense that they're looking, everybody, by the way, is looking too much at early November as opposed to looking forward to a quick solution to this big problem. Well, I, I think if they... Uh President Biden could have coasted on this if he just left the border the way it was when he uh, took office. Um, it was uh, working. The uh, 15,000 and 20,000 uh, caravans coming into the country had stopped, and we had kind of order there where you came to the border, you put in your paperwork, we vetted you, and then if you were what we considered a non-criminal good person, you could come in, and if you were MS-13, uh, you could go back to where you came from. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for people that they determined to be affiliated with something like MS-13, I, I would gladly support 
putting them on a secure plane and giving them a one-way ticket back to wherever they came from. Now, um, you, you're probably a lot more up-to-date on this than I am, but do you think that we should really, uh, that we should go back and put the, finish the border wall and do the vetting the way we were? I don't believe finishing the wall is is the solution. I think there are other ways to control the border, not perfectly, but I, I don't think we need to go to the expense of, of finishing the wall. I think that there are uh, additional means, including high-tech means, to uh, help secure the border. won't be perfect, but it could be done better, and I think um, at a less costly, you know, less expensive. Appreciate your call. Thank you. It's 11.55. You're listening to Bob Joseph on WNBF. Looking for... I'm Bob Joseph, proudly declaring mission accomplished. Of course, a new mission will begin Monday morning, and I will be here to do what needs to be done on the radio. Thank you so much for your time today. Hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton, 92.1 FM and 1290 AM.